0: Hi friends, I'm Pastor Stephen and you're listening to episode 7 of the Oakham Church podcast. Now right off the bat I just want to um, thank any of you who um, took part in our online communion service last week. Uh, It was wonderful to be able to, to do something, albeit separately, but actually together as one. I do want to encourage you that um, even if you missed the actual event itself on the Wednesday that's still up on on our YouTube channel um, so that you can watch it or re-watch it at any time that you would like to. Uh, We're also in the process of thinking of other things that we can do, other online events, maybe worship or um, prayer gatherings that we can do um, together at set times so that again even though we'll be doing them individually or as our own little family groups, because we're doing them at the same time and on the same things it actually happens that we're doing it as one Um, if you have any uh, suggestions or any ideas about things that we could do as upcoming online events and as well if you have any suggestions or questions or comments or ideas for future podcasts for this platform um, all of that can be sent to the ocp at mail.com So with all of that said, let's get on with the pod. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at and thinking about peace. Um, Seeing peace as this kind of answer and this kind of response towards what we've been looking at before then, which was anxiety and stress and worry and fear and all of these other emotions that are getting stirred up more and more and are increasing as these lockdowns and these restrictions and all the things that we get from, from the news cycles and from social media just seem to exacerbate the feelings that are happening anyway. And as a response to that, and as a kind of anti that, as a kind of almost remedy for that, one of the things that we've been looking at is peace. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at upward peace, this directional upward peace, and asked, what is God up to? It's where we thought about um, the dopamine hits and looked at the Palm Sunday story. And we, we looked at how God impacts how we live in the world as peacemakers. And then last week, and last week on the pod, we looked at another directional piece, we looked at inward and outward piece. That was all to do with the storms, the storms outside of our boats and the storms on the inside of our boats and who we are and how we respond to those storms, whether we are people of the bucket or people of the cushion. And we ask that even amongst and even right in the middle of all of these external chaos that's going on around us and the internal noise and chaos that's going on within us. How can we go in and how can we find peace there as a starting point? And so today, uh, to round things up, to conclude again, we're going to look at one more directional piece. But first, from Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every Effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. If ever there was a statement, a sentence, a verse that we needed for 2020, I think it's that one. Now, as I said, we've been looking at directional peace and today we look at withward peace. And I know that withward isn't a word, um, but all I'm trying to get at with this idea of withwood is that it ties in with the upward and the inward and the outward. But also Withward is just basically talking about um, what we do as a community. What I mean by Withward is community. It is how we are peacemakers, not as individuals, but how we are peacemakers Together. And how that movement looks together. Now on the other side of this kind of withward peace coin, there's this interpersonal conflict. And in human history, every war starts. Every war, you can track it back. Every single war and conflict ever in human history can be tracked back and can be started at this single point where this kind of interpersonal conflict took place. And then from that interpersonal conflict, uh, there is an escalation, there is growth, there is this revenge and one-upmanship until all scale, even global war can start. It all starts off so small. But in some cases, ends up, as I said, being worldwide wars. And so the big idea today in this pod is what you do as an individual on a personal, um, grassroots, ground floor level. What you do matters. It has consequences. And it can shape the world. And as peacemakers, what we do at that ground level has global consequences. Arguably, I shared this on Sunday, that the most um, important technological invention in the last 200 years is the telegraph. The telegraph meant that small pieces of information could be sent and could travel very, very long distances at the speed of electrical impulses. In its day, it was amazing. It was like it was like magic. It was revolutionary. And very, very quickly, that has snowballed and has paved the way for this world that we live in now of instant access to information. It's how we live in the world today, isn't it? We want to know something, we just take our phone out of our pocket, we just open up our laptop, we just swipe on our tablets and there is all the information just at the click of a button, at the touch of a finger. We can Wikipedia and Google anything and everything that we like. 2020 is all about the speed and the power of our fibre-optic broadband and 5G connection and instant internet access and 24-hour news cycles and all of our social media. And how much have we benefited from this kind of technology? All of these things can do so much good in the world. During lockdown, it's meant that Leah has been able to continue her lessons almost as if nothing had changed. All of her lessons were done on Teams and over the internet and she was able to hear and communicate with her teachers, do her online lessons, do her homework, send it back to the teachers digitally. All done. No problem. And all of this technology has so much potential for good. But... There is also the potential for bad as well, isn't there? Um, Neil Postman, um, a cultural critic from Germany, said this about that technological invention of the telegraph. He said, The tie between information and action has been severed. Information is now a commodity that can be bought or sold or used as a form of entertainment or worn like a garment to enhance one's status. We are glutted with information, drowning in information, having no control over it and not knowing what to do with it. Now Neil Postman wrote that in 1990. But how much of that is true for us today, 30 years later, we are glutted with information, drowning in information, having no control over it, and not knowing what to do with it. Sounds just like today. Postman says that before the telegraph, life was very, very different, some negative ways, but also some positive ways. You see, before the telegraph, we had a high information to action ratio where we only really knew about what was going on in a very local area that was close to us. And then that meant that we could then engage within those issues that were local and closest to us. But then after the telegraph, life after that, meant that the information to action ratio dropped significantly, so that now most of the information that we are able to consume is done from a distance. It's disconnected from our daily lives. It's why Twitter and our news feeds are full of all this information. Like, I live in Birmingham, in England, and I know about so much information about what's going on in the US with the election campaign. It has nothing to do with me, but the information is just there and I am saturated with it. You see, the the good side of this is it is fantastic that we can know so much, that we can be aware of so much about what's going on on the other side of the world. But the question is, and this is a sobering one, I asked it on Sunday and I'm going to ask it again now. We can know so much about what's happening in the other side of the world... How well do you know what's going on on the other side of the room that you're in now? How well do you know, how much do you know what's going on on the other side of the office at work? Or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Maybe you've gone for a walk. How how much information do you have access to? How much do you know about your neighbourhood? The people that you pass on the street, what their concerns and their issues and their worries are. See, we know so much, we're aware of so much of this big global stuff, but how much do we know about what's going on on the other side of our dining table? Or on the other side of our bed? See, the big question for all of us today, as we're looking at this witherward piece, is where do we spend our energy? What do we do with the time and that, as Mary Oliver said, that one wild and precious life? What do we do with it? With all of the information that you have and with all of the information that you have access to, what events within the world are getting your heart going right now? What's getting you fired up? What are you passionate about? What moves you? Where is your focus and your time and your energy and your money and your attention and this all comes down to worship because that's what worship is. If you're investing time, investing money, investing intention investing your attention, investing yourself into someone or something then that is worship. See, we are created beings, and that means that we are hardwired for worship. Whether you consider yourself Christian or not, whether you consider yourself religious or not, we all worship someone or something or some ones or some things. We are all made hardwired to worship, made by a creator to love and to live for something greater than ourselves worship as I said isn't just a religious thing it's a human thing go to a football match and what will you see people standing, people singing people clapping, people rejoicing over the good lamenting over the bad sharing in these common experiences it's worship football stadiums look like a church it's a human thing followers of Jesus worship Jews worship Muslims worship, Hindus and Wiccans and Druids and neo-pagans and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and tribal witch doctors all worship. That famous anti-god secular atheist from Oxford worships. We all make sacrifices. When you read about an animal sacrifice in the Bible, you need to keep in mind that in the ancient world animals were currency. Your animals represented money and they represented time. So what do you spend your money on? What are you spending your time on? See, when you're in need or in trouble or in a rough spot, where do you go for an escape to a sacred book or to a temple or to a yoga mat or to a chant or to a bottle or to the gym or to a website or to a relationship where do you look for your meaning and your significance that's going to outlast just the short temporary years of life on planet earth we just can't stop worshipping any more than we can stop breathing so where is that focus for you So much of our time and our energy is spent on things that go on, on a global scale. And yet so little time and energy is spent on what's happening right here and right now. See, I'm sure that some of us know statistics and facts and figures about big national and global issues. And yet we don't know our neighbours' names. Why? Because it's easy. It's easy to just sign that online petition or send that direct debit to a charity every month or to change your profile pic to just raise awareness for whatever this month's kind of trendy topic is. But what about waging peace in our community? What about waging peace in our street and our homes? What about waging peace in our own lives? I just want to read some words from jesus for you from uh, the gospel of john john chapter 14 jesus says this in verse 27 peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid In another telling of that same story, as Jesus speaks these words of peace into these early followers, into these first disciples, we're told this little detail, we're told that Jesus breathed onto them and that Jesus breathed into them as he spoke these words of peace. As he spoke this withward peace to this group, to this community that was together. And this breath. Would have reminded those first followers of the breath within genesis of that wind of that spirit that brings peace see the hebrew word for breath is ruach and it means breath and wind and spirit and the word for breath in greek is pneuma and it means breath and wind and spirit This is Genesis language and Genesis action. This peace, this breath is reminding them back then and reminding us of Genesis, of the creation account, of the story where God breathes life into humanity, where God imparts spirit and wind within our lungs, within our bodies to fill us with, with, with that potential, just like the technology that we see. We have so much potential for good or for bad. We have choices to make. And that Genesis creation story in Jesus' life and in this scene with the disciples and in our lives and our scenes today is about this recreation. Just picture Jesus right now speaking those words to you. Peace. I give you my peace. I leave with you. So, I just want to leave you with two practical um, bits of advice, two practices that are going to help us live out this real withward peace. The first one is going to sound very familiar because it's all about silence. The first practice is to listen about listening. We don't do this very well in the world today, do we? We're so quick to speak, so quick to offer our opinion, to have our say. It's what social media is all about, isn't it? Get your voice out there, be heard, have your say. But listening is so, so important in this process of waging withward peace. You see, Jesus exemplifies this perfectly for us, doesn't he? All throughout the Gospels, whenever he has any kind of interaction with anyone, what is he ultimately getting to at the first point? He wants to listen. He wants to be quiet enough to be able to hear the other in the room. To hear the other that he's standing face to face Yes, he may start with a a statement or a, a parable or a teaching or even a question, but all of those things are to do what? They're to get the other person to open up, to get the other person to speak so that Jesus can listen. It's why Jesus so often says, What do you want? or Do you want to get well? asking these really obvious basic questions that seem so so stupid almost when you're reading them but it's because jesus wants to listen jesus wants to listen not just to what the words that someone is saying but the thing behind the thing behind the thing jesus wants to listen to your heart today And the question is are we willing to listen are we willing to really really listen Not necessarily to that other person's opinion, whether you agree with them or not, but listen to how or what shaped that person and how or what shaped the situation that you find yourselves in and how or what shaped them into who or what they are now. So that's the first spot, listening. We need, we all need to be better at listening. I'm reminded of a, a show that's on um, Amazon, um, it's called New Amsterdam, it's about a hospital and the, the main character that you follow throughout the series um, has this one thing that he says almost every single episode, almost every encounter that he has with another person, whether it's a patient whether it's another member of staff in the hospital whether it's just someone out on the street when he's off doing whatever it is he's doing he always says this how can I help? because he knows what Jesus knew that it is important to listen. And then the second practice follows on almost fluidly from the first practice of listening. And after listening, we engage See too often we get it the wrong way around, don't we? But So many of my problems in my life, and I'm sure if you look back in in your lives as well, you can echo the same sentiment. So many of my problems are either caused or made worse by me acting first and then listening later. Or acting and not even listening at all. So... I come to a situation and I am the saviour. I am the hero. I know what needs to be done. I am the pastor and I need to fix this situation. And so I go storming in and I'll listen later if that doesn't work. But it has to begin with listening and then we engage as a response. See, peacemaking isn't a solo sport. We can try as hard as we want to march into situations and to march into other people's lives and wage peace on our own, but it won't work. Because this is a withward peace. It takes outside help. It takes other people to both do this with and reflect back to you. This withward peace is all about how we need each other. Because sometimes, you might feel so full of hope and full of joy and full of amazingness, like you're on top of the mountain, on top of the world, and others around you in your life just don't feel that way. And then sometimes other people around you will be feeling like they're on the mountaintops, that they're full of joy and hope, and you don't. And you know what? Both of those are okay, because we wage this peace together. We wage this peace with other people. We wage this peace with word. Grace and peace.